Welcome to the Renamed Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. This week on the show, we're going to do something a little bit different. This is our 13th podcast, and it's also Ooh. Halloween week. So this week, we're going to do some spooky things on the podcast. Not really. We're going to talk about Halloween things. We're going to talk about horror. Um, we're going to do the news roundup, as always. We're going to talk about things that scared us as kids. We're going to bring back the scariest renamed game that those of you who've been listening since the beginning might recall uh, with a little fuck, Mary kill. And we're going to talk about our feelings on horror as a genre. And, I think Chris uh, died. Or on pop culture as an adult. And also, yes, we will be splitting up throughout the show um, and being picked off one by one. One of us is a serial killer. Hopefully we'll find that by the end of the show. With me on the show this week, we have Alex. Welcome. Good to be back. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> we have Sam. <laughs> Welcome as well. <laughs> we have Rachel. Hello. And we have Chris. Podcast is coming from inside the house. <laughs> ah! uh, many other Halloween jokes to follow throughout the hour, so stick with us. We're going to go ahead and move right now into the news roundup, which, unlike last week, we have actual things to discuss. So, high fives all around on things happening in pop culture this week. Good job, guys. Um, first things first, we want to discuss uh, Lena Dunham's first time video, uh, which was about her voting for Obama, but had some entendres in there that might have implied it was about other things as well. Uh, for doing this, Lena Dunham has been accused of being in league with Satan. Uh, there's been a lot of conservative backlash. Uh, so what do you guys think about this? Why don't we start with you, Alex, since you've been off the podcast for a while. What are your thoughts on this? It's dumb. It's just another thing that, uh, conservatives and Republicans are trying to point at to say, this is not how you run a campaign where it's, I don't want to talk about politics. I I work in politics. I don't (laughs) Well, let's let's move on from you then. Um, Rachel, what do you think about this? Well, I also work in politics, but I will talk about this until I'm blue in the face. I think it's bullshit. Um, I actually really liked the sentiment of the of the video. Um, I know that it was like a joke and Lena Durham, she's really funny, haha, but like it is something I think that both of the things that she's talking about and voting for president and your first time um, in, in the sack, if you will. Um, I will. Both of them are are incredibly important things that people don't take seriously enough. And um, I think that the way that she portrayed it was very great. Um, And the conservative (laughs) backlash, obviously, is just total BS. Like, these people want to pretend that, like, the storks deliver the babies. I really like that you're turning this into sort of a sex ed conversation as well, Rachel. Good good job there. I do what I can. Do you think that this... This commercial really makes it so that it's more taken more seriously, though, like making out a joke out of it. I don't think that she's necessarily making a joke out of it. I think that she's. Well, I agree too that the commercial isn't very funny, but. <laughs> um, I I don't think it's a matter of making a joke out of it. I think it's placing it in another light that is humorous and approachable, but not necessarily making a joke out of voting. I mean, Sarah Silverman has done the same sort of thing, you know? I think she's, you know, she's speaking to an audience that is probably going to vote for Barack Obama anyway. Someone has a truck backing up in their apartment. <laughs> that is my I microwave. <laughs> uh, once again on the show, we are uh, also tracking Sam's lunch in progress, so... It is chicken be a pot segment, pie, right? you guys. Get pumped. I know um, that all of our listeners are... That's their favorite segment is when Sam talks about his lunch, so get ready for updates on the chicken pot pie as we go. Chris, what are your thoughts on Lena Dunham and the video? 
Well, I want to go back to something Sam just said a second ago where he said that this was something similar to what Sarah Silverman had done. I actually haven't seen the video yet, but the thing I find most interesting about this is, once again, no matter what she does, Lena Dunham is just a lightning rod yep. for controversy at some point. I don't think that there's been anything that she's done that people have been universally like, oh, this was great. She's awesome. It's always a discussion of some sort. Uh, I think we saw that last summer with girls where everybody either loved girls or hated girls. There was nobody in the middle who was kind of like, eh, it's a show. Um, that kind of seems like where she wants to be. And I also yeah, think it's what makes her great. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I really enjoy her stuff so much. I haven't seen the video yet. I'm probably going to watch it after this podcast is finished. Um, I, I, I loved Girls. I thought it was a great show. Um, and you know what? If it's got people talking, I think it's probably a good thing. Because the people who hate it, we're going to hate it anyway. And the people who like it are maybe going to be reminded to go out and vote. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, if we're going to talk about Lena Dunham's lightning rod for a moment, I've always found that a little strange. Um, Me too. Because, I, I mean, I think she's very interesting, and I liked girls a whole lot, um, and I thought the video was cute enough. What, whatever, it's a politics video. All of them are stupid on some level, uh, even hey. though I'm way into politics. All the celebrities doing the, like, get-out-the-vote videos are kind of stupid and kind of cute, and I thought this was cute enough. But I've never really understood the uh, the idea that whenever Lena Dunham does or says anything, it becomes a huge controversy, because... She doesn't seem all that controversial to me, and like I don't find any of the things she's doing all that controversial. Um, am I alone there, or? Well, I think people find it controversial because she's so young and she's a woman, and I think like that combination, combination and the fact that she's talking about things that I think you know conservatives clearly think that talking about these things is bad, like acknowledging that she has sex is bad. It's like it's. I think I think that has a lot to do with it. I think she's she's she's. I guess practically our age. She's what twenty six. Yep. Yeah. Is she? Um, but then there's there's also another side to the controversy of her in that a lot of people panned girls for being completely unrepresentative when it came to like a racial distribution and diversity. Um, and I think that part of the problem, I read an article, I can't remember who it was by, but I read an article about this um, that I really agreed with, was that um, when women in, not to get all angry feminist about it, but when women in a certain position, like Lena Durham, um, try to tell their story, people expect them to tell every story. So Lena Durham has to stand up for every single woman ever, and people take issue with that because she's portraying a very individual kind of experience that people can relate to, but not everybody. Um, so Sounds I, like someone's being ransacked in the background, by the way, so I think the Sam horror might be beginning. Again? <laughs> they come back every week. Yeah, maybe, maybe Sam's robbers are, are going to be our guests on the podcast again. Sorry, I was, I, was getting, I was getting a fork for my delicious chicken pot pie. And your he fork was, was buried under pie. everything else in your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah... I always thought that was a stupid thing to say. I mean, we're going to have to move on in a minute because we're not really talking about girls this week. We're just talking about the video. But I thought that was a stupid thing to say because Lena Dunham is creating a show about, uh, you know, privileged white people who probably don't have friends of, you know, all races and who are probably kind of, I mean, who are definitely very self-centered and probably kind of oblivious to all of that. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, where did they the go show to is, school? The show is openly about the fact that these people are not the most, you know, considerate, uh, thoughtful, and worldly people. They're kind of self-centered 20-somethings. So... I feel like that's part of the show, and the controversy around that is dumb. 
Yeah, uh, also when you when you like try and shoehorn in diversity for the sake of diversity or just like like trying to answer like that's the show she wants to tell. It's very well crafted. It she has a very distinct vision for it. So if she started like just trying to accommodate all that stuff, you're gonna go back to the nineties. Do you remember like in the nineties where movies like had these gangs that there was like a member of every race in the gang and there was no like specific affiliation or whatever. They were just no good nicks running around together in this beautiful world of like racial harmony. Where they didn't discriminate against anybody, they just mugged everybody. <laughs> we need. I think we need more full service muggers. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of tired of the of the mugging racial disparity, but that's an issue for another podcast. Yeah. Now we're gonna have to move on and talk about the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger has signed on to play Conan the Barbarian again, and what the director is describing as Conan's Unforgiven. It's gonna be about an older Conan the Barbarian dealing with his mortality. Wait, uh, he's gonna be older in this one. Yes. I can't much, believe it. Much like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan will be older, and it's going to deal with his mortality in ways that may or may not be interesting. Um, I haven't seen Conan the Barbarian, and I'm not particularly interested in the franchise. Uh, anyone out there love Conan? It's enjoyable enough. I love a Conan. <laughs> We're not talking about the talk show host at the moment, though. So, <laughs> um, so Alex, you've seen Conan the Barbarian. Are you excited for a sequel? No. Or another sequel, really, I guess. <laughs> I could care. I mean, the, the movie was good in its, like, 80s camp way. And then Conan the Destroyer was interesting in that it was even more crazy and fantastical, believe it or not. But, I mean, a lot of what made Conan the Barbarian great is because it was made in the 80s and could get away with being really weird and having James Earl Jones in it. So, <laughs> which is now illegal. Uh, you can no longer have James Earl Jones in your movies. It's true. Not many people know about that. It was passed. Well, hasn't America already voted on what they want from like Conan Barbarian? Haven't they? Didn't they like, you know, reboot that or they remade yeah, it? Yeah, no other one guy? saw it. Yeah, with Jason, and it, and it Jason failed Momoa miserably. I don't think people want Conan right now. Yeah, but Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to work. They I want. Uh, I think people want Arnold, or they think they want Arnold. No, yeah, I think Hollywood <laughs> thinks people want Arnold. Um, so, yeah, I think there's not a whole lot to be said about this, except that it's a thing that's happening that none of us really care about. Anyone else have something to throw out? I would like. I still want to see Arnold in more movies, but like to have him just reboot every franchise that he's ever been in is not the way to go, unless he's just going to be in Terminator. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, they haven't announced... I know there's eventually going to be another Terminator movie. They haven't announced whether he'll be in it or not. Um... So I assume he will be now that he's back in the acting circuit, but I guess we'll see about that. Oh, but why is he back in the actor circuit? Because they won't let him be president. <laughs> There's money to be made, I suppose. He's not there, bad. Uh Chris, any, any last thoughts on this before we move on? Well, if this is some sort of, like, you know, like, last ride of Conan sort of thing, like, you know, he's older, he doesn't know if he can, like do what he needs to do and fight what he needs to fight. I'm really not that interested. But this is a Conan who is like, you know, like, needs to make some dietary changes, might have some prostate issues, like, can't sleep as well anymore. Like, I, I'm on board. I, I, I'm looking forward to see that. I would, I would watch it if it was literally, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, I don't know, any other actor who's not Sylvester Sloan as, like, a grumpy old men type of pairing, where it was, like, Conan and some other, you know, barbarian type of character and they were just kind of like curmudgeonly and you know yeah. they read the newspaper they uh they had trouble sleeping yeah like maybe it's like you know like he has like a hip problem or something like yeah. he has ed yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so conan 
the Barbarians sequel is going to come out at some point. Probably none of us will care about it, see it, or discuss it ever again. Moving on uh, <laughs> to one of my favorite stories this week. Spike TV is offering $10 million to anyone who can prove the existence of Bigfoot and putting the efforts on TV as the aptly named $10 million Bigfoot bounty. Um, scientists, Bigfoot hunters, uh, random people off the street are going to be trying to find Bigfoot. Um, Rachel, what do we think about this? I think it's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Um, I might have to get cable just so that I can watch this. Um, I think it's hilarious. I mean, they've been doing it for so long. I feel like there have been big show, like Bigfoot shows before, or maybe they were just specials on the History Channel. But I, I think it's great. I hope that we find out that Bigfoot is actually just like the Bigfoot portrayed in the Goofy movie. Um, because that would make me really happy. Has anybody else? I'm banking on Harry and the Hendersons Bigfoot. I think so too. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the Bigfoot we can all agree is the real Bigfoot. (laughs) Has any have have y'all seen the Goofy movie? Of course. That Bigfoot is so great. Harry and the Hendersons. (laughs) Well, fine. (laughs) I prefer. I, I basically just wish that my entire life was a Disney movie, though. So that's probably that. Um, you wish your whole life was the Goofy movie, Disney movie? <laughs> Any kind of Disney movie, really. Goofy movie I mean, a Goofy great. movie is kind of like... Movie. If I had to pick a, a Disney movie to have my life modeled after, it would not be the Goofy movie. I will go that far right now uh, on the podcast. What? Come on. Epic road trip? <laughs> Come on. Who doesn't want to do that? It's the only leave... Disney movie with an epic road trip, so... <laughs> I'm going to leave Rachel over in her goofy movie corner and ask Sam, what do you think about the $10 million Bigfoot bounty? I think it's kind of appropriate, and I, I'm, I'm glad. I wish all Bigfoot slash mermaid slash ghost shows were relegated to Spike TV and not like Animal Planet or the History Channel or Discovery Channel. Channels bio, that were supposedly, supposedly channels that were designed for like nonfiction you know, science stuff about, like, real fucking animals and stuff. (laughs) But, like, Animal Planet, I think, had, like, a mermaid show. I think, like, National Geographic has had, like, fucking monster and shit. And what, what, or aliens. Like, why are you wasting our time with this bullshit? The truth is out there. Whereas, when you go to Spike TV, all you want is bullshit. Like, that's why... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. It's appropriate. Um, Chris, what do you think about this? Uh, on the off infinitesimally small chance that Bigfoot actually does exist, Spike is fucked. They do not have a spare ten million dollars to just throw around right now. They are so screwed if somebody actually finds Bigfoot. But what a Chris says this, by the way, from his Bigfoot van in the middle of the wilderness. He's actually in the Pacific Northwest right now with a dart gun and a cowboy hat and a vest of some sort on. He yeah, that they won't be able to pay me. Like it's Spike. They don't just have the money. Um, but it's it, it. You know, it's just it's just designed to bring the crazies out of the woodwork, and hopefully, if they're crazy enough, give them a show. I mean, that's the new model of television these days. Uh, Alex, do you remember that guy who used to go around with the um, the the trolley on on the Bigfoot tours? Oh no! I don't, yeah, I feel like I should. Yeah, no, in. The, in the town we we grew up in, there was this guy who. And the, bear in mind, this is upstate, very rural New York. There was a guy who was convinced that there were at least three Bigfoots living in the area, 
and he had like a van and like a repurposed trolley that he used to go around doing these Bigfoot tours. And now let me ask: Is the plural of Bigfoot big feet? I I think he I think he accepted his big feet. I don't really know what the agreed upon. Because I feel like it should really be Bigfoots, but that sounds terrible. So I would go with big feet personally. What about Bigfoot? So maybe, maybe this guy will get a show on Spike. Who knows? Or maybe it's like Attorneys General. He's, it's Big's foot. <laughs> Finally gonna put Elmira on the map. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex, any any last thoughts on the ten million dollar Bigfoot bounty and? Um, is your Bigfoot hunting team full already? Well, no. Anyone can join. Just drop me an email. Uh, it's my AOL email address. But um, <laughs> I think it's really sad to see Spike TV jump the shark like this. They used to be a solid TV network with great, great programming. And now they've just, you know, nuked the fridge, as it were. <laughs> Remember when uh, Spike TV had The Sopranos on as the uh, centerpiece of its uh, programming? No. Did that right. actually happen? That was, that was no, that was a joke because Spike oh. TV is never a television <laughs> network. Um, all right, so Spike TV doing a Bigfoot thing. Well, let's move on. This is another story that I think is exciting. We might not have much to say. Arcade Fire has announced, like most bands who are still bands, that it is releasing a new album next year. Um, it's in the studio right now. We all like Arcade Fire, I believe, or at least I know I do. So um, I'm excited for a new album. Any thoughts uh, or just general excitement? Yes. Why don't we start with Chris? <laughs> um, I'm neutral. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Alex? If this leads to another music video directed by Spike Lee, I'll be pretty happy about that. You mean Spike Jones? Yeah, sure, that one. <laughs> a, a Spike. I, like, I don't think I saw the Spike Lee directed Arcade Fire video. <laughs> I do like Spike Jones. I did like that video, um, and the album it was attached to. Uh, Rachel? Uh, yeah, I mean, not much not, not much to say. I think it's probably going to be good. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, if it follows in the, the path of their last three albums, which were all awesome, I imagine it will be awesome. Um, Sam? Uh, I like the last album. I didn't love the music video. I thought it was kind of stupid, actually. Um, I know that just sounds really shitty of me, but I didn't really <laughs> love the music video. But I did like the album a lot. I just think the... Uh, the whole suburb sucks is such like an easy played out. Uh, angle Wasn't it to have. that they were in like a post apocalyptic or like a dystopian suburb though? Yeah, but you know, watch Red even Storm. More watch Red Storm or something. I mean, I, I didn't really care about this. They were just like a bunch of good looking, you know, eighteen year olds running around with like guns. It didn't do it for me anyway. But I, I mean, I really did enjoy the album a lot. And, That's all that does you know, it for me anymore these days. Alex can only climax in watching suburban dystopias Um, but yeah I'm sure it'll be good looking forward to it I hear someone else is microwaving something oh I just assumed it was you no no I'm done oh god who's microwaving I don't believe it I think it's him man this is like we're we're back in horror now is no one microwaving something it's inside the house ghost microwave um alright let's go ahead and move on um to another one of my favorite stories this week, and a, a very silly week for pop culture, we can freely admit. Denny's has announced they are doing a Hobbit-themed menu uh, to celebrate the release of Peter Jackson's first Hobbit movie, with dishes including the Ring Burger, which, spoiler alert, has onion rings on it, and the Gandalf Gobble. Um, I can honestly tell you that I don't eat at Denny's and probably won't eat any of these, uh, but I think that this is the weirdest uh, cross-marketing in recent memory. Um, 
Alex, what do you think about this? Uh, I think it's a reason that I would go to Denny's, but, I mean, come on, I'm not actually going to go to Denny's. <laughs> Someone, like, opening and closing a garage now? <laughs> oh, God. Let me be the first to say that Denny's is great, and if you're on a road trip and it's late and you want breakfast foods, stop at Denny's. It's good. Are you going to go try the Gandalf gobble sound? Which no. also sounds like a horrible sex move. Oh. <laughs> um, no, but Denny's is kind of one of those things like it's only for road trips. It's not like, you know, normal going out to eat type place. Taking the lady out for a special evening at Denny's. Mm-hmm. That's where I take all my dates. <laughs> which is why there's never a second. All of Chris's dates and future murder victims, which there is some <laughs> overlap, but not there's complete a lot overlap. of cross over there. Uh, this time I was I was behind the dark turn that the uh, podcast took. Um, Rachel, any any thoughts on Denny's Hobbit menu? Well, I just don't understand. It doesn't seem like the proper target audience. Like if you have been in a Denny's, like those Den like Denny's these days are like broke down, super desperate, super creepy. These days, places. Oh, you're being unfair to Denny's, I think. When was the last time you've been in a Denny's? Um, When I go home for Christmas, there is a a tradition of we go to Denny's every night after Christmas Eve celebrations, me and a bunch of people from high school. Oh, that's nice. And it is always terrifying. And part of what makes it ridiculous and, like, why we keep going is because, like, like, there's never a lack of entertainment at the Denny's because it's, like the most ridiculous people watching ever. Um, but it's it's just weird, and I don't really understand. Is, is Maybe Denny's is trying to uh, appeal to the geek market and get them back uh, to, to the Denny's that, that must be it, I right? mean, think it of all the weird people. It doesn't seem like a proper audience in. correlation, but maybe they're just trying to... Well, you figure to... all the people who are sitting there in their Gandalf robes waiting for tickets to The Hobbit already, there's probably a Denny's nearby they can stop by and Gandalf gobble or ring burger for a while. You want a Gandalf Gobble, don't you, Jordan? <laughs> I think Gandalf Gobble is the funniest possible name for an entree, but it sounds disgusting. <laughs> I don't know. To be clear, I don't know what the Gandalf Gobble is. I imagine it involves turkey in some way, but just the name of it sounds like something I cannot. I no, I can't. I can't imagine. Even if I was at a Denny's ordering. Um, well, with that, I think we've uh, spent enough time on the weird and wonderful week that was pop culture. Why don't we toss things over to Sam, and we're going to talk I think a little it's a about sandwich. Well, I imagine it's a sandwich of some sort, Chris. Thank now, you. does does the menu have? Is, is it, it a separate menu that comes out on a ring that you have to heat oh, up it's, and fire? It's, it's to like turkey see? and stuffing. So it is a turkey sandwich. Yeah. All right. Mystery solved. Next week on the review named Mystery. Um, no, that's not going to be a thing. Why don't we toss things over to Sam? We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Halloween pop culture that terrified us when we were children. Sam. Well, Jordan, I'm going to talk about. Pop culture that terrified us as children. Uh, <laughs> what a know, segue. It being, it being Halloween, I feel like it's appropriate to talk about things in pop culture, movies, books, comic books, television, music. If you can find music, I'm going to call you out as a bullshitter. But uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, the Monster Mash. Um, there is some scary music out there, but I can talk about that in a few minutes. Um so I wanted to know what you guys, and the, the key to this question is when you were little, because now I don't really give a shit what scares you, because... Well, we can talk about that later in the podcast. We're going to be talking about more our modern views on horror. Every horror time I say something, older. Jordan is like, uh, but no, 
<laughs> so I've lost all authority as the head of this segment. No, no, you're by all means. I will shut up. Oh God. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Let's start with uh, Chris. Chris, when you were a little kid, what part of pop, like what piece of pop culture scared you the most? Uh, when I was a little kid, I discovered uh, like on. It, I feel like it was like a movie marathon of some sort, and they were playing the thing, but like the original Ooh. thing, like the black and white one, the fifties, um, the thing from another world. Yeah, the thing from another world. And as a kid, that movie scared the shit out of me because you never saw the thing. It was just this giant. I mean, like looking back on it, it's not quite as scary because it's like a giant broccoli monster. But it, mm. they were, they were. It was just like going around picking these guys off one by one, and it was terrifying to me at the time. Um, great, great movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it. All right, <laughs> Rachel, you're up next. What scared the shit out of you? The absolute most scary thing I had ever encountered as a child was a movie called The Witches, based on the Roald Dahl uh, movie yes, of scary. the book with Angelica Houston. And it scared me so much, so much. And so when my little brother was younger and I was a bit older and I kind of wanted to scare him, I made him watch The Witches. And I realized that not only was he not afraid of it, but that I still was just petrified by the uh, entire thing. Hmm. <laughs> so scary. Has anybody else seen it? Of course. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. So, like, the whole getting trapped in the in the painting and the rats and the pulling off their faces. And, like, the idea that this was made for children is just terrifying. So scared. So scared all the time. Yeah, no, The Witches is, uh, I mean, it's a great book. And it's also, uh, I think, one of the better Roald Dahl adaptations out there. Um, I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a scary movie. I mean, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, probably, but I remember it being scary. Yeah, I just remember all the witches' faces. I thought, Ugh. I thought it was more cool than uh, scary for me. I was like, I thought it was like really cool makeup. Um, and I think it was, I think it was like Jim Henson Company, which is also some uh, probably a reason I watched the movie. Um, I think I have better memories of the book actually than the, the movie. That's just me. That was that started a, a trend of. I have two older siblings. Um, it started a trend of my older siblings trying to basically break my soul um, by exposing me to incredibly scary shit that they knew that I wouldn't like. So there was the witches. I can see that it worked. The witches. Yeah. To this day, I don't really watch any horror movies because I'm too petrified. Um, so the witches was one of the first ones. And there was another incident that involved them like locking me in a sleeping bag and forcing me to watch scream. Oh that was great. Moral of the story is I have really shitty siblings, I guess. <laughs> now yeah. we can all be uh, sad and silent for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Rachel. I love my siblings. Um, and I guess Jordan, you're up next. Jordan? Yeah, um, so I have a few things. First of all, in, in terms of the scary music, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I will say that my uncle, who uh, readers of My Year in Lists, my music column from last year, will recall, has some alternative taste in music, to put it lightly. My uncle had a lot of CDs that would scare the shit out of me when I was a kid. Uh, a lot of just really like random ambient sounds and screaming and... Um, like tribal chanting and shit that would like give me nightmares and he would always try to terrify me with it. So 
there is scary music out there if you're a kid and you're impressionable, which I was. Um, but the thing that sticks with me to this day as, like, scared kid Jordan is probably the uh, Boy Meets World episode with the serial killer in the high school. Ooh, that was scary. Shit, I, I don't remember, remember that. I remember watching that live. and I do too. It was, it, I hadn't seen Psycho at the time, and I wasn't really, you know, I was vaguely familiar with it. But I remember checking behind shower curtains whenever I went to the bathroom for months after that. And there's not even a shower curtain scene in that episode. Well, I, think, I was just so it, afraid. It, didn't they use, like, the scream, like, costume for it the It was basically guy? the scream mask. Um, everyone died. Uh, like, characters that I was growing up with and loved were dying in front of me. Feeney got stabbed uh, in the back with scissors. Yeah, um, who was the guy that got oh stabbed God, in the yeah. head with the pencil? His and name like was Kenny, the... and he was a guest character, so they could oh. make, oh my God, they killed Kenny joke. Yeah, I remember See, I remember yeah. this episode Holy really shit. well, even though I haven't yeah. seen it in years, because it scarred me. Um, and there was, like, the, the creepy, like, announcement would come on, and it was, like, old-fashioned, old-timey singing, and there were, like, it was, it was a really scary episode. And also, it was, like, Sean ended up being the killer, but also not. I think it was like an allegory for the fact that he was upset over Corey and Topanga breaking up or something. But Did they break up? Oh. They broke up and got back together like 50 million times on that show. Don't worry, they got, they got Topanga though, huh? They got together though. Um, and then Topanga got a job at a law firm in New York despite the fact she wasn't even in college yet at the time. Oh yeah, no, she well, was in college. She hadn't gone to law school yet. Jordan, you and I both know how Topanga got that job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that like, yeah, that has stuck with me to this day as something terrifying. Um... Briefly, people, another another one. A lot of people died on that sh- episode. Like people were murdered. Like everyone, oh, everyone except world. uh Sean Corey and Topanga, I think, was killed. Like yeah. Eric and Jack and Angela, I think they all died. I don't know Did if you could get them? away with that this these days. Yeah, I mean it was a dream sequence, obviously. Yeah. Um which helped. <laughs> what it was it, it sounds more violent. Like I It was really it was a really scary episode of TV. I'm I'm standing by that to this day. Um the other one I wanted to mention is the Hey Arnold episode with the train ride to hell. Oh, that was so good. Great episode. Really fucking scary. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are the things that I wanted to bring up. Wow, those are both very good answers, Jordan. <laughs> Alex, you're up next. No pressure. I am surprised we made it this far into the childhood fears without anyone mentioning Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps. Yeah. I was I couldn't watch it. Goosebumps. Goosebumps were scary. The TV show was scary. Uh... I actually just downloaded the, Amazon has the first has six volumes of Are You Afraid of the Dark on <gasps> their instant. No. So I bought the first <laughs> volume for uh, six bucks and watched the one. I'm sure everyone remembers this. The one where uh, with the pool monster. I've actually only seen a few episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark oh, because man. I was so afraid of that show. Um, I was too the, afraid. I would. I, I remembered watching the show, and in the upper right hand corner, it has the TV rating. And it was rated Y7. And I was like, I am not seven years old. I cannot handle this shit. <laughs> and I think after I turned seven, I'm like, I still can't handle this shit. There are like monster clowns. It was I remember there was a yeah, vampire in a movie theater in one episode, and that scared the shit out of me. And it was straight up Nosferatu from the old... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, the, the one I remember the most is the pool monster one, where they find the pool behind like a couple lockers or something. And then... It turns out this kid needs to learn how to swim, and there's really bad acting. It's very, very 90s, which is awesome, but the, the episode actually has some decent suspense in it when you know that you know there's this skeleton man under the water, and he's has his hand in the water, and it's kind of tense. I don't know. I really, I don't know. I love that show. You know, one of <laughs> that, the episodes that, that really sticks out- That was a legitimately scary show. 
It was incredibly scary. One of the episodes that really sticks out to me is the one where the little girl gets turned into the doll. Does anybody remember that one? Uh, I don't remember that. Sounds familiar. I mean, I, I never watched. Yeah, the thing really. is, I've seen I've seen probably three or four episodes. My cousin was always really into it, and she would try to make me watch it, and I was not okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Jordan was ho- holding on to his uh, girl dolls. <laughs> <laughs> My girl dolls. I just want to rattle off. Don't talk to me about girls. I'm the only girl on this podcast, and you two haven't seen it. Wait, girls, the show, or girls, this episode? No, are you afraid of the dark? Don't talk about Jordan and his quote unquote girl dolls. Oh, because being a girl means you're like afraid of things. Clearly. <laughs> I think, Jordan's I think a girl. being Jordan as a child <laughs> means you're afraid of things. Okay, um, I'm gonna rattle better off. now, but as a kid, I was afraid of like a lot. Of, I I couldn't do anything scary. It was, uh, Me I, was I was a little bitch. <laughs> Which yeah. I guess also has a female undertone. So apologies, Rachel. Yeah, I guess I guess that kind of leads well into mine because you know I I was afraid of everything as a child, and even this even some of the stuff that I watched that like really wasn't meant to be scary still found a way of horrifying me. And uh, I'm sure I've definitely talked about this with Rachel and Jordan at some point. Uh, in college, but I used to be a big fan of the We Sing series on VHS. I love those, and they <laughs> were uh, well. Many of them were terrifying, um, but the one that always scared me was in Big Rock Candy Mountain. Uh, Little Bunny Foo Foo was turned into a goon by yes. uh, this this evil fucking fairy who's like, if you don't stop bopping those field mice on the head. I'm going to turn you into a fucking goon. And I didn't know what that meant. And then in the scene where they reveal that the rabbit had been turned into a goon, he looks like a fucking leper or something. He has, like, these spots all over him, which I only assumed were, like, these weird growths. Yeah, they're lesions. Basically, the fairy gave him yeah, bunny AIDS. They, he, got, <laughs> he had bunny AIDS. And then he sings Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen while he's, like, he's covered in these smallpox. And it's, like, it terrified the shit out of me. As a child, I would literally, I would run out of the room during the sequence. It frightened me too much. Um, also, let's see. Uh, I don't know if anyone's watched the BBC did uh, the line, the witch in wardrobe years before. Yes. Um, and there yes. was the fox. Oh, and it was, was it was the end of, I think, like the first half of like yeah, the, the wolf. When he turns into like the, the human wolf. Yes. He turns into the human wolf and it was like, that is fucking freaky as shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> Though I, I loved that I had that box set on VHS, The Line of the Witch in the Wardrobe. It Me was too. a fantastic. I, yeah, I love those, but I, I do remember that always being scary. You're right. Was that um, one? Was that one a live action or an animated? It was live action. It was yeah. live action, but like so. So the particular wolf was a wolf for most of part one, as I recall. And yeah, he was. An he becomes wolf. like a, a man in a wolf suit. Yeah, and then and he's like he's like screaming at the camera like it's a close up of his face, and it's kind of like. It, it kind of, it's kind of like the climax to end the first, I guess, in my mind. It was the first VHS. There were, I think, three tapes that it was over. And it was like, he's this evil wolf. And Norm, you know, bef- up to that point, he had just been like an actual wolf, you know, animal. And then he morphed into this fucking freaky-ass wolfman thing. Terrifying. Scared the shit out of me. Let's see, what else? Uh... There was another Wee Sing that scared the fuck out of me. It was. Uh, uh, I, I, I seem to recall you were afraid of the Grandpa's Toys one, which with was the, like, my favorite. Puppet Man. 
Um, I don't. Really th- I actually. I don't think I was afraid of Grandpa's toys so much. I think I was probably a little bit afraid. Of, I was. I think I had, I had small fear of all the Wee Sings <laughs> on some level because <laughs> they were adults dressed ridiculously as like animals and puppets and. Yeah, frankly, I I found the Wee Sing videos scarier when we revisited them in college while having this discussion, like on YouTube. I think um, I think there were elements that I found more unsettling as an adult than I did as a kid. Yeah, there was another really Wee Sing video. I think it was one of the later. I mean, it was one of the later, like towards the end of my Wee Singing days. <laughs> um, it was they went it was like a bunch of kids went to I guess it was either their uncle or their grandpa's house and it was kind of like a music themed house oh like the solving the mystery one yes uh, the scene where the mystery like where the crime is perpetrated scared the fuck out of me cause it's dark it, cause it's dark I just remember that, the uh, those two like twin knights that did the song that was really yes, fun there, there were, I remember the stairs that like made musical notes was that a thing that was a thing there was like a mouse that ran in the clock because I think they sang Hickory Dickory Dock and it was all very scary. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm a huge pussy. Um, so yeah, those we are also learning a lot about how uh, terms for people being afraid are really misogynistic. Let's, uh, it's, it's bullshit. <laughs> hey man, that don't blame me. Blame society. Little baby man. Sam. All of these things that scared little baby Sam are like the very basis of my entire childhood. <laughs> well, I the, here's the thing though. I enjoyed We Sing. Like I watched these tapes over and over and over again. It was just these specific parts in the We Sings that kind of scared the shit out of me. No, I, I can understand that. I mean, yeah, I think I think we all had things that sort of irrationally terrified us as children. That's part of being a kid, right? Like yeah. you're just afraid of random shit. Now I'm rationally afraid of like everything. Death. <laughs> yeah, like anarchy, chaos, death, <laughs> dying alone. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very realistic fear for some of us. Um, I fear yeah, daily so... for my liver. <laughs> Rightfully, Rachel. I-, I can't believe that thing has made it this long. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that there were a lot of things that scared us as kids. The Goosebumps, uh, I wanted to mention. Alex mentioned that. And I remember I read a lot of the Goosebumps books, and it was sort of one of those things where and I think we probably all had a similar experience when we were kids where you read, like, you know it's going to be kind of scary, and you're kind of hoping it's kind of scary, but not that scary. Um, actually, I'm going to plug for a minute. Neil Gaiman released a free Audible uh, Halloween story that you should mm-hmm. all check out. I checked that out last night. It's really good, and it's uh, the kid in it is kind of having the same feeling that I'm having, that I'm describing right now, where it's like, you want something a little bit scary, but not that scary. And I remember a lot of the Goosebumps books didn't have anything scary, and I was like, well, this is bullshit. And then some of them were a little bit scary, and they ended up being too scary for me. So that was that was my feelings with these pumps. Very conflicted. Um, Sam, any, any anything else on the? Uh... Um, well, I'd just like to add that I, I quickly Wikipedia'd it, and in in my memory, the musical mansion we sing came much later. But it was actually the next we sing after Big Rock Candy Mountains, Maybe which you came out in '91. We it was called We Sing in the Marvelous Musical Mansion. Uh, are any of you familiar with this one, Rachel, Jordan? I, yeah, we, I mean, we've been talking about it with the, with the knights and the... Uh... Um, here, here's the quick synopsis. Three children named Alex, Kelly, and Benji and their Auntie Annabella go go to visit their great-uncle Rubato in his, I guess he's Japanese or something, in his marvelous <laughs> musical mansion where the music boxes come to life, the hat rack sings and dances, and the door knocker requires you to solve a riddle. I really like the door knocker. Yeah, he was um, fun. So Uncle, how... Uncle Rubato got them high very 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 high yeah he probably but here's the thing here's what scared me however in the darkness of the night that right there is horrifying 
Uh, several small <laughs> but important items vanish, requiring the children to locate the thief. Isn't Each segment the, teaches the viewer about musical theory or terminology. Isn't it the one-man band guy who's the thief? I don't remember. Was it? There's a so there are a lot of tiny people, which I also remember being slightly disturbed by. Well, um, the tiny people were the music box of people <laughs> that came to life, and I really yeah, enjoyed that. They're the, they're like it's shades of Lady and the Radiator from uh, Eraserhead, which I had not bit, seen as yeah. a child, obviously. Um, but little people singing songs, I guess, slightly disturbing. Uh, but yeah, I think the one man band was stealing everything because he wanted to be better than everybody or something. Pride goeth before the fall. I guess it was a very it's a very complex. Uh, movie. I think Terrence Malick directed it. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain the uh, 10 to 20 minutes of just like fields rolling throughout the uh, film. Yeah. Now I'm just on the Alright, so I think that wraps up this segment pretty well. Yeah, now that we've talked about We Sing in the Marvelous Mansion for a while uh, during our, our Halloween <laughs> podcast, why don't we toss it over to Rachel, who's going to carry us through. I think what we can all agree has been the most horrifying game we've ever tried. We did this during the... Uh, the first review name podcast, which uh, things were still a little rough back then. So um, we're going to try it again now with Rachel as our host for Fuck, Mary Kill. Everybody better get really excited. This is going to be a rousing game of Fuck, Mary Kill. Um, now that we've talked about things that terrified us as children, I think it's important to talk about things that terrify us now and will terrify us always, um, namely having to hear you boys um, explain what awful deviant sexual acts you would do if forced. Um, so we're going to play a couple rounds of Fuck, Mary Kill um, featuring some of the most notable Halloween horror movie subjects um, and namely the villains. Um, so we're going to start right off with round one, which are our human fears. So um, think about this, boys. Would you fuck, marry, or kill Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs? Reverend Harry Powell from Night of the Hunter, or Jack Torrance from The Shining? This is easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Sam, you go first then. It's so easy. Uh, fuck Jack Torrance. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's Jack Nicholson. It's going to be crazy in there. I mean, I get, it's, it's Jack Torrance. I'm sorry. It's going to be crazy in there. So going to fuck the shit out of him. That'll be fun. Um, <laughs> what else we got? Mary. I'd marry uh, the Reverend from Night of the Hunter. Uh, he's a good-looking guy. You know, I would. I would have to convert to Christianity, I suppose. Um, but I could do that. He's. You know, I could see myself living a nice life with him. I also Night of the Hunter is one of my favorite movies. Even though so is The Shining. Um, and Silence of the Lambs is pretty fucking good too. All three good movies. Um, I would have to kill Hannibal Lecter because, you know, cannibalism is like a bridge too far, if you ask me. I think that's a deal breaker. <laughs> I think it's a deal breaker too. So you have a you hard know, stop for cannibalism, Sam? Yeah, I, I can't I can't do cannibalism. Unlike Alex is hard on for cannibalism that we're about to find out about. Damn. <laughs> cannibalism makes my dick soft. So. Found me out. Which is how Hannibal Lecter likes it. He likes oh, it soft. Oh dear. I think I'm correct, though. I think I win this, so you guys can just sit this way out. Um, I mean, Sam, I think, I think I'm going to go ahead and jump in because I think my answer is the same, so we'll let, hopefully, Chris and Alex do something different. Um, killing Hannibal Lecter because, like, if you try to fuck Hannibal Lecter, he's got, like, he's inside your head already, and he's going to probably pull out some things that I don't want out there that I don't oh, even know about. Like, to, poor to quote the dean from Community, I don't want him to awaken anything in me, 
and I'm afraid he would. Um, so I'm gonna stay away from that and just kill that guy. Uh, I'm gonna fuck Jack Torrance because there's an erotic undercurrent to The Shining as well, um, and I think it would be dark but probably decent sex. And I, I guess I'm marrying the Reverend. So because I'm boring, I'll just move on. Um, and Rachel, you can toss to someone else. Why don't Chris, you go ahead? That way we can um, give Alex the cover to switch around his decisions now that we've outed him on his cannibalism fetish. Uh, I'm also going to have to kill Hannibal Lecter. Um, I just don't see any scenario where in the other two where I actually survived the experience. I feel like either like after the se- after like the marriage, I'm eaten, or like immediately post sex, I'm eaten. So just for my own safety, Hannibal's gotta go. He's dead. Um, uh, let me let me switch it around. I will I will fuck the Reverend. Um. And I will marry Jack Torrance because see, but Jack seems like the worst possible husband. In fact, is it like part of the plot of The Shining what a terrible husband he is? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. But he'd take us places. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to an abandoned haunted hotel for a winter. I vacation, man. Also, I like your fucking the Reverend reminds me of how deviant you were during our last fuck Mary kill, where you fucked Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that back up, Jordan. It wasn't me, it was Chris. <laughs> You're both awful. Why do we play this game? <laughs> um, this is what happens when I let Rachel host a game. <laughs> it's Halloween, man. We're, we have to scare the literally handful of people who actually listen to this podcast. Um, I hope they're afraid of vomit, because I imagine they're all nauseous after listening to this. <laughs> I am. Alex, do you have um, anything to change on that? Where, where, where were your cards fall? I'm going with the same answers as Chris. Uh, because I think Torrance would be exciting. Yeah, right? Yeah. Exciting to fuck? <laughs> no, it'd, it'd be an Sam exciting really life. wants to have sex with Jack Nicholson. I mean, <laughs> Jack Nicholson yeah, Sam is pretty coming much. for you. You need to remember that Jack Torrance did die and Shelley Duvall lived. So. Oh, Shelley Duvall. Oof. <laughs> I say it every time. She is the scariest part of that movie. And you're always right, except for the part where the uh, the guy in the bear suit is blowing yeah, up. Yeah, all right, yeah, guy. that is definitely scary. <laughs> That's the scariest part of that movie. We can, I think we can all agree. But Shelley Duvall is a close second. Yes. Um, cool. Rachel? Okay, I've got, I've got one more round that I think is a little more difficult, um, and hopefully y'all oh don't boy. fall quite the same way. Um, fuck, Mary kill Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Michael Myers from the Halloween series, or Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. Chris, Oof. why don't you kick this one off? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> all right. So, am I, like, is there any, like, implied safety in any of these relationships? Like, these are, these are all serial killers we're talking about. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no safety. Okay, so I'm just living in fear. Yeah, basically. basically. No matter what happens. All right. Um, okay, so since marriage implies, I guess, and if I marry them, I can't just like have the ceremony and like slip away in the night, right? It's like, well, you could try, I guess. Yeah. The night is where they hunt, Chris. <laughs> slip away during the day. <laughs> All right, I'm still going to say I would marry Michael Myers 
because he, of the three, seems like the most... I mean, he, he was just a guy, right? Like, he's just, he just a fucked up dude. I feel like the problem with this scenario is that all of them are unkillable. Like, they've all been killed and survived it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least in the other scenario, they were all human. Well, we wanted to so, it, keep but, in mind whoever you kill is probably just going to get mad just, and come back to kill you. Like, he just doesn't feel pain or something. <laughs> I still think you would kill him. So I'm just, I'm just basing this off of the first Halloween, though. Function under That's the, all you need. You can function under the, the assumption that this is the this would be the most... Uh, all of these would be movies, obviously. Um, function under the assumption that this would be the most recent and therefore final version of like, final property of this series. So, imagine that if you're killing somebody, you're killing them for good. Okay. Okay. So, I, I'm still going to go with Michael Myers, because I think, in the marriage scenario, I have the best chance of surviving if it's him versus the other two. Um, <laughs> then I will fuck the Jason Voorhees, and I will kill Freddy Krueger. The answer there is obvious. The claw things. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Sam. <sighs> well, <clears throat> I think I would marry uh, Mike Myers because I feel like Mike is, like, there is, like, a human past to him. I think more so than uh, Freddy or Jason. I mean, I guess Jason does. Freddy, Freddy kill. Because Freddy's going to kill you in your dreams. I want to be able to at least sleep. Um, so I think I'll fuck Jason. But but for really no other reason than I got to marry uh, Mike Myers. Also, his name's Mike Myers. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is People a tough say one, as though, he Rachel. stabs you repeatedly. Yeah, I mean... You're, this is so funny! <laughs> you're you're kind of fucked no matter what, right? So... Fuck them all, I suppose. Because they're going to fuck you. Sam's feeling sexy today. Yeah, I was just going to oh, say, yeah, that's so Sam's life motto. Just mm-hmm. all of them. Sam, are you wearing anything right now? Or just like a silk robe or something? I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually naked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking around. I have, uh, I, and I, that have, was... I, have under, I have underwear on, but that's it. And he's, and he's just slathered in chicken gravy from his pot pie. <laughs> that is, that really is, is the scariest. Yeah, I was just going to say, that is the scariest image. Fuck all these horror movies. Wow, thanks, guys. <laughs> Helping out my body image. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, Jordan, you want to go next? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I think the obvious answer, which I think is what everyone else has given, is you have to kill Freddy because after fucking him or if you're married to him, you're sleeping next to the guy who literally invades your dreams to kill you. Yeah. That okay. sounds like a terrible, terrible thing. Um, also, he's just horribly unattractive, so <laughs> I don't really want to get involved in that. I don't want to know how the needles come into his lovemaking styles. Um, everything about Freddy is terrible. I want him dead. Um, just, just to be interesting, because I think the other two gave the opposite answer, I'm going to switch it up, and I guess I'll marry Jason. Um, and Because, you know, he, he's, I think he's based around a summer camp uh, for the most part, and that could be fun, right? Like... Uh, we just, I'll go be a counselor to the kids he murders, um, or I guess he murders the counselors for the most part. How uh, could you be a counselor to the kids he murders? I don't know, I'm just, I haven't even seen Friday the 13th, I'm just winging it here. <laughs> um, I'm trying my best to justify marrying, really I'd rather marry Michael Myers, but you both did that, so I'm gonna marry Jason, 
and I'm gonna fuck Michael Myers. Um, yeah, you have the highest chance of survival with Michael with Michael Myers. I mean, I don't know if that's that's true unless I'm Jamie Lee Curtis, which I'm I'm not. Just yeah, really? she's You're she's able to night, survive right? because she stays regular. Lock doors. <laughs> Lock doors. <laughs> um, always good advice. Uh, so, Alex? I was playing with the idea of marrying Freddy because then you'd only have to see him at night, you know? I think you'd have your days to yourself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm going to go with the popular answer and kill Freddy, marry Mike. Just because uh, Mike, Mike just kind of walks, you know? So, I mean, as long as you're yeah. staying in shape, you're running every now and then, you'll be <laughs> fine. As long as you can stay far enough ahead, I guess, you're, you're right. Yeah. Well, good job, boys. That was great um, and terrifying, and I hope that we never, ever do it again. <laughs> you chose to play the game. I'm going to throw know, that out there. I did, yeah, I... Um, Apparently, yeah, uh, I prepped, like, four different games and couldn't, like, pick one and wound up with this one. There was another one that didn't... There was an A-team draft that was going to get a little too elaborate and terrifying, so I uh, it's, it's funny because decided usually to take when, the easy when way out and play this game. But you all did fantastically well. I'm glad to see that in times of crisis... Um, yeah, usually when I ask someone to host these games, they come up with them on, like, on the spot right before we start the show. Rachel was, like, uh, John Nashing over there with, like, whiteboards and writing on glass, and it was a very complicated process getting, getting to this game, so I hope you were all suitably terrified by There's it. a lot of threads going from one person to another, and... Yeah, strangely, all the pictures were of Chris. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> um, we can maybe talk about that later. Chris in but... different hats. <laughs> yeah, Chris wearing like a, a top hat. Chris wearing a bonnet, <laughs> it was, it was, which is also suitably terrifying. Um, and will will happen when I finally uh, satisfy my dream of getting Chris to play Carol Burnett. <laughs> um, but now uh, let's let's toss things over to you, Alex, and we're going to talk about uh, horror oh, pop culture as we see the, uh, the genre from our slightly more adult selves. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, I mean, I personally love the horror genre. I It's with me all year round, not just in October. But, I mean, I'm just curious about what everyone else's feelings on it are. I'm, I'm kind of an outlier, I think, in that I'll watch basically anything that's horror before I'll watch a decent movie. Um, so, Chris, tell me what your feelings are on horror. Well, I... You were actually the one who got me doing this, uh, I guess, horror marathon for October is that I don't know what your agreed upon term for it is I've been calling it this year uh, the Netflix instant Q month of horror extravaganza okay that's a great name <laughs> uh, so yeah you you introduced the concept to me I tried it out this year and I had a lot of fun doing it uh, basically just anytime I was gonna watch a movie or a TV show I would just go to the horror section or the Halloween favorite section of Netflix and just pick something that was there uh, I saw a lot of movies I haven't seen before, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, for the first time ever, I got kind of excited for Halloween in a way more than I have been in the past couple of years, where it's like I would get excited a few hours before a Halloween party, and that was really it. October was just another month. Um, it really put me in the right mindset for it. Uh, 
Like, I would be going out to my car late at night, and I'd just be, like, whipping around every time I heard a noise or something, and just, like, scanning for something coming out of the bushes. It's a good idea, because <laughs> I have been stalking you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not afraid anymore. Um, I'm coming, don't worry. When you, when you turn around, I will get you. Um... But yeah, I saw a lot of movies. Some of them were great. Some of them were really shitty and just made me laugh a lot. But it, it definitely, it definitely made me excited for Halloween in a way that I haven't felt since I was a kid. So I really enjoyed it. I would recommend doing this next year to anyone who's do, who hasn't uh, been that excited about Halloween in a while, and uh, just kind of rediscovering the genre of horror because I think right now we're actually in a pretty good. Uh, resurgence for horror less so in movies as in other areas of pop culture like regardless of I, I haven't watched 666 Park Avenue but it, it is like a horror themed show um, American, uh, horror, American story. horror Story is huge right now People, yeah but aren't both thing. of those things supposed to be terrible I like American Horror Story I think it has decent enough characters but it has a nice atmosphere that they put around it uh, in the first season they established some rules that the supernatural entities like are guided by which is something that i really appreciated um i mean i would recommend it to someone who is a fan of horror and you know has time to kill i guess but you have to kind of be predisposed to like that stuff yeah, I think- yeah well i have to i'm not a i'm not a big horror movie fan um as i said before we sing videotape scared the <laughs> shit out of me so as you can imagine, horror wasn't exactly on my uh, high mark. And me and Jordan have like talked about this in length because I think we kind of share the same sensibility. I just don't like being scared. And I, I feel like uh, as I've gotten older, I, I started to watch more horror. Um, but I like the, the horror movies that I've seen and liked, like you know, The Shining and Rosemary's Baby. I like them because they're like legitimately scary, but they don't... I think I feel like a lot of horror movies do this cheap like popping out at you thing or doing this cheap thing with this movie and it's like I'm going to be surprised no matter what. Like it's going to make me jump and I fucking hate that shit. I think it's cheap and I feel like you can do it in like any movie. It doesn't have to be a horror movie and it'll make me jump. Yeah, There's I, I, I think um I, I'll say at this point you and I Sam watched Rosemary's Baby for the first time together. Um it's cute. And I remember we were terrified. Like, and I'm someone, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't like to be scared as a rule. And so I think I don't like horror movies as a rule. And also, I have a, a bit of a, a genre bias because I feel like there are a lot of shitty horror movies. Oh, to yeah. To a degree, there are shitty oh, yeah, other there definitely are. movies. But, but there are a lot of great horror movies, too. The great and horror see, movies. And that's, the, that's what I've learned um, is as I've delved a little bit more into the genre, and I'm still pretty much a horror novice, but as I've seen things like uh, John Carpenter's remake of The Thing or Rosemary's Baby or The Shining, like, I realized there are movies that are, that are legitimately great movies that also happen to be horror movies, and those I can get behind. And Rosemary's Baby uh, was awesome and terrifying. They're very much two camps of horror movies really the ones that are jump scares they just kind of try and do that and then there are the ones that lay on thick thick atmosphere and the atmospheric ones that just keep you tense the entire time those are the ones that are i think a bit more harder to do but they're also yield better results i think uh if anyone's looking for movies like that there are two by one director named ty west he's a new-ish horror director and i think he's really really got a good sense of uh, the movies he wants to make, and you should check out both uh, the House of the Devil, 
and the innkeepers. I think the I know the innkeepers is on Netflix incident. I'm not sure about the House of the Devil though, but they're both really good. They're quote unquote slow burn movies, so they just build and build and build. Especially House of the Devil. Ooh, yeah. See, I I don't like horror movies because I overthink everything. So it's the kind of thing where it's like I'm already so deep in my own head that like if I and and I and things stay with me for a really long time, like I get really bad like I have really bad like secondhand reactions to things. So like if I when I watch horror movies, like it's the kind of thing where like a week and a half later I will like will think of one little thing in the movie and I'll be terrified again. And it's so bad and I'm an incredibly anxious person. I'm just like a, basically just like a, a ball of neuroses, right? So horror movies not the greatest for me what I do love is like b-level kind of like horror-esque films I guess they're actually kind of sci-fi right so like anything on like the sci-fi channel with like a giant crocodile or like mega shark which I don't think technically gets to count as horror (laughs) but like I love b-level sci-fi movies but like anything uh, anything that's like really scary like that I can't I can't do it Those type of movies we've kind of lost in this, like, digital age because part of the fun of going back and watching movies from the 80s and the 70s and even the 50s and stuff, they are movies that used practical effects, and a lot of times it's just fun to watch the practical effects, even though they're not that good or scary. They're just kind of goofy and fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's that old movie magic idea with... Which is like the people, you know, this is why I think Guillermo del Toro was a more interesting director than a lot of others at the moment because he uses, you know, actual effects and uh, costuming and puppetry as opposed to CGI whenever he can. And I, I think that's great because it's, you just feel more love going into it. And I, I think it's more technologically impressive. And with del Toro's movies, they're not like, they're not jump out and scare you type horror movies. I mean, because he's such like a great craftsman as a director and as, you know, a makeup person. He's able to make these things that are actually scary on their own, and it's not a matter of like, oh, well, it's not that scary, but it'll be scary if it pops out at you, you know, when someone's like walking around the house. I the, mean, look the at Pale Man like, scene, Pan's Labyrinth, and Cronus. I mean, like, he's able to build an atmosphere, like Alex was saying, and he's able to build these monsters and characters and create these stories where it's scary on its own merits, which I think is impressive and. You know, when horror movies do that, I really love that. And I think horror movies could be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I wanted to say, there's one director who is... I, I would I would consider him a horror director. I don't think he's normally considered horror. I think I've talked about this with several of you before. But the only director who I always know will scare me is David Lynch. There is a scene in mm. every single David Lynch movie that is, like, blood-curdlingly terrifying. Um, and I always, for some reason, even though I know this, I always end up watching his movies alone, like, in a house or in my house or my apartment at night... Um, and there, there's the scene in each of them where I'm like, I have to turn this movie off. Like, I can't handle this. Um, and they stick with me. Like, each of them, I can, I could play the scene like shot by shot in my head right now. Is how much I've been scarred by scenes in all of his movies. <laughs> I remember um, to, for a specific anecdote, I was watching uh, Inland Empire with um, one of our, our friends from college, um, and Sam. This was when Sam and I were living together, and Sam was in the other room. And both she and I screamed uh, at one point in the movie, even though I'd already seen it. It was just, It's so scary. We were, we were just like, fuck, like, this is terrifying. Sam comes out, knowing that we just screamed, and is like, what was that? And so we rewind it and watch it, and then we all three scream again. That's awesome. Um, so he's just, 
he's good at, at doing things that are just slightly off what is realistic <clears throat> and slightly off what you'd expect. And there's like a, a dreamlike logic that can so quickly curdle into nightmare that I think he is my ultimate horror director, even though what he makes is not necessarily always horror. I, I'd say I, he's he makes a lot of hor- horrific movies. Not yeah, not horrific isn't bad, but you know, just like it's unsettling the way he shoots things, the way the sound design is in his movies. They're just you know that it's not right, and it's going to just get under your skin. Right. Just look at I the think, beginning of Blue Velvet. Yeah, exactly. I think he's he's the best at creating that atmosphere where it's like you just know something is wrong, and you don't necessarily know what it is, but something feels wrong about everything in David Lynch movies, and that is that's deeply unsettling to me. And the way they they occasionally veer off course for just like one or two scenes into something that is like a total living nightmare, or Inland Empire, where it's like three and a half hours of just a total living nightmare. And that, to me, that's like that's what scares me. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's like a it's like a divide, right? Like there are two kind of sets of horror conventions. There are like the horror plot conventions, which are the kind of things where you have like crazy psycho killers, like with axes and knives and scary masks, and then you have the like cinematography elements that lead to a horror film, where it's more of that atmosphere kind of stuff, and like. Alex, I'd be interested in hearing from you, like as a like a self-proclaimed horror fan, like which one of those do you think works better? Like, is there a film that combines them really well, or like films that like use each of the conventions separately to like really be like the pinnacle of the genre? Considering that most of us on the podcast right now are self like have said that we were not that into horror movies. Um, I think that when it's done right creating atmosphere will lead to deeper like more lasting scares and it also depends on let's say like the type of horror movie because you know you got your ghosts you got your vampires all that shit so i mean the first movie that came to mind for me is one that i actually haven't finished uh the strangers that is a movie that has pretty great cinematography everything's really dark it's moody and then you combine that with the elements that the in like the villains of the movie are real they're not ghosts they're not some supernatural thing they're people that are just there to terrorize and that's something that could really it just really gets under my skin just like not having that barrier of well these are ghosts this isn't something that really exists but just like you know, it's the same way with the, the Funny Games movies. I was just going to say, sort of like Funny Games. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, what's horrifying about it is that these are just real people. Yeah, I can't so, I mean, handle that. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't recommend it for those who are squeamish. But another, I think uh, an interesting thing that kind of Blair Witch Project and now Paranormal Activity have kicked off is this the found footage because that puts you in the movie a bit more than other uh, horror movies do as you're going with these people, you're experiencing everything as they do, not as the director wants you to necessarily. So, I mean, uh, the Blair Witch Project still scares me. Uh, the Paranormal Activity movies, what, say what you will about them, I still like them. I haven't seen the fourth one, though. Uh, it's like the, everyone remembers the scene in Signs where it's the birthday party. And the alien comes across the back, which terrified me when I saw it. It was absolutely terrifying because yeah. it was Actually, that's a like birthday. the one scene in Signs that I remember being good. Like, I did not like that movie at all, but that scene scared me. Yeah, yeah. it was great. It was great. 
Um, as a rule, I feel like I haven't I haven't experienced a lot of the found footage horror genre. Um, I've seen Blair Witch Project. As a rule, I saw, I saw Chronicle earlier this year. But as a rule, I'm getting to it. As a rule, um, I feel like there are, are, are limitations to the genre that I find problematic. Where it's like, it a lot of it it feels forced, or it's like, why is the camera here? Why is the camera on? Or like, there are things you can't capture that the camera should be able to see. Right. So I, I, I find the genre a little problematic. And do you think that, that the Paranormal Activity movies find a way around that? That's interesting. Absolutely not. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of just it's it's fun once you like kind of get into it and you're just like okay there's you know th- yeah this I mean the first one kind of finds a way around that where you're like yeah this this dude's just kind of a dick so of course he's just going to be like no I'm going to keep filming it Durr. so I mean there's that uh, a a really good found footage movie that I think justifies the camera a bit better uh, is depending on whether you want to read subtitles or not, either if you want to read subtitles, you're okay with it. Watch the, I think, better rec. It's REC. And if you don't want to read subtitles, watch Quarantine, because they're basically the same movie. But uh, (laughs) rec is basically a zombie-esque found footage movie where it's a, a group of people trapped in a building that gets quarantined and... There's a film crew that's in there, something, something. But it's it's genuinely, genuinely terrifying, especially the last ten minutes. It's just, it, yeah. There's a second movie, Rec 2, that's really, really good. Quarantine 2 was less good. But I would definitely recommend the two Rec movies. Which one is? No, uh, Quarantine 2. Oh. Electric Boogaloo? Yes. <laughs> so electric. I mean, does anyone have a f- favorite horror movie? I mean, I hear a lot of old school 70s, 60s, 80s horror movies. Does anyone have a recent horror movie that they like? Or, um, So, I mean, my favorite is, I think, The Shining, without doubt. Uh, but cool. in terms of modern, I saw The Orphanage a few years ago. It was one of those like Guillermo del Toro Presents um, type of movies where he produced and brought it over to the, to the States. I thought that was actually a, a very good movie that happened to be scary. Definitely. I liked it. Go ahead, Alex. I was just saying, I agree. I liked it. Uh, a, a good double bill for the orphanage is Guillermo del Toro directed Devil's Backbone. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I like that movie a lot, too. It's slightly less modern, but... I mean, it was 2001. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I was trying to go with, like, the last two or three years, trying to think of something. I I'm, th- I'm thinking, yeah, like, Backbone the last decade, even, you know. I uh, just recently discovered on Netflix uh, John Carpenter's The Fog, which I thought was... Like, that was a great film. Uh, it really set an atmosphere of impending doom very, very well. Uh, one, of the, one of the, I think, the coolest things about that movie is almost nobody dies, but it's still scary as shit when this, like, really eerily blue fog just starts rolling in over this, like, idyllic little small town. And it's it, it conveys atmosphere of fear and foreboding so well. Probably one of the best examples I've seen recently. Um, recent horror movies, I, I'm going to have to go with Pan's Labyrinth. I thought that was a phenomenal, phenomenal movie that scared the shit out of me. Like, especially, like, there's so many scenes, like, the both the scenes in the fantasy world and the scenes in real life where you've got this guy who's like, again, it's scary because he's just like this terrifying dude and he'll do terrible things to people. He's almost um, scarier just because he's a dude and yeah. you know he has no remorse for when he beats yeah. people in the nose with a beer bottle. 
Yeah, it's and it's you don't know which one's more horrifying. Like this guy who's just like this awful, awful person, who's just as you said feels no remorse, like no regret, and is probably a sociopath, or like the fantasy world with the the monster with the eyes in the hands. Like both, it's it's just a wonderful example of the horror genre, really done well. Yeah, well, if we're considering Pan's Labyrinth horror, I'd have to say that's probably my favorite horror movie. I think it's one of my favorite movies. Period. Yeah, see, I, I wasn't counting it as horror when I when I was talking. But <coughs> I yeah, definitely I, think I, it I is. I would agree. Um, it's actually it's in like my top ten movies ever. So I'm a huge fan of uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, you know, things that have been said already that I love. You know, The Shining, Rosemary's Baby. Um, I really love uh, Suspiria. Suspiria's which is great. Fucking awesome. Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's this great big, un, you know, genre that I haven't really dug into because of my, you know, my past fears and also now my predilection to kind of, you know, avoiding a lot of stuff, either fairly or unfairly. Yeah, it's sort of a final um, frontier for me where it's like, I know it's a genre I have to get into at some point because, yeah. you know, I want to be a pop culture uh, expert in everything I can be. So I know I'll do it at some point, but I just I haven't really delved into it that much yet. I mean, there are a lot of classics you need to hit, you know, the Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, just kind of see where the basis went, uh, came from, basically, and how it led up to today. And I, the reason I really like horror is because of the, all the different genres of it, like subgenres, and all of the uh, kind of allegorical elements to it where you can read more into, you know, uh, paranormal activity being birthed kind of out of a YouTube era where we have all these, you know, found footage uh, movies reflecting how people are presenting themselves on YouTube, torture porn, as it's called, the Saw movies, hostile movies, where it's extremely graphic because of all the extremely graphic beheadings and stuff that we've seen out of the Iraq war and all that. Um, and it goes so Alex, back years. It's a, little, it's a little late for this year, but let me let me ask you right now. Um, provided that we all survive and the podcast is a going concert next October, would you set up a Halloween horror marathon for all of us who are not horror people? And we can talk about it on the podcast throughout the month of October next year. I can absolutely do that. That would be a wonderful, fun thing. All right. Well, you've got a you've got a year long lead. So <laughs> next October, let's let's make that a thing. I got it. I'm on it. Excellent. Uh, with that, do we have any final thoughts on, on the horror genre before we wrap up the show and uh, announce the winner of the Rachel Tarts Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week? I, I'd like to really briefly just mention the uh, the horror resurgence that's happening in comics right now. Uh, I Just off the top of my head, I can think of a whole bunch of titles that are doing horror very, very well in a medium that doesn't have the benefit of, like we just said, of like using the jump-out and surprise sort of thing or like the unsettling tricks of cinematography it's like you're it's a static image on a static page so the fact that you can actually pull off some real chills uh is is impressive to me uh just like off the top of my head i think fatal is doing that very well um the uh there's a there's a series called the sixth gun which is a horror western which is a really uh cool take on the genre uh and then just uh, a little more mainstream you have um the Oh, oh, always awesome uh, Animal Man Swamp thing um, 
Both of which have actually legitimately scared me, which I did not think was a thing a comic <laughs> could do all that easily. Yeah, they're for like an all ages comic, they are really, really unsettling. And uh, if you know, if you're looking for like a different kind of horror, I would recommend both of them. Spinning off of that, there's as long as you're not opposed to manja, there is uh, an author named Junji Ito, J U N J I I T O, who does incredibly disturbing things like it's kind of like a Japanese Lovecraft. Uh, Those comics and the things he's written get just bury themselves in me and terrify me to this day. All right. Well, um, I think, I think we've uh, given a lot of things that horror fans can go search out this week. Uh, Maybe have themselves a little Halloween thing. And hopefully next year we will do a a, a bit more in depth with some of us uh, horror newbies who haven't really done it. Uh, haven't really examined the genre and maybe we'll get a get some scares that way so um now is the time to wrap up the show and to announce the winner of the rachel tardif memorial award for best performance of the week we've been tabulating for a very complex system throughout the show as always and i think uh we have an appropriate winner considering this is the halloween podcast um and it's a little bit of a a spooky episode of the show um ladies and gentlemen we would like to announce that bigfoot has won the week Uh, With a $10 million bounty on his head, he has still managed to avoid detection, so congratulations, Bigfoot. Um, Come on down to the show. You can collect a small cash prize, uh, your trophy. We will cut you in on the $10 million that we win if you come to collect these things. Um, So, Bigfoot, come on out. I know you're listening, so come hang out with us for a while. Um, With that, you can always come visit our website at rebenamed.com. You can... Email us or follow us on Twitter. You can email us at rebenamed at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at rebenamed. Let us know what you thought of our spooky podcast. Give us ideas for future installments of all of our features or things you'd like to hear us talk about in the podcast. Um, And thank you all for participating. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween, and we will be back next week.